Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to a new series of the Home Recording Guide. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined by Matt Knight. Hello there. And in this series, the same as before, we're going to attempt to make a track using only what is available to us on Personas Studio One. Now, Matt and I both both use Studio One Sphere, which is the monthly program. It, it costs like sub $15 a month and you get absolutely everything that Personas make for Studio One, including a whole bunch of fantastic plugins. But of course, you can just buy... Um, one of the Personas basic two-channel interfaces, you know, from your local guitar store, and you'll get Studio One Artist with that, which is their mid-level uh, door, and that still comes with a whole bunch of excellent plugins and features, and also the ability to use third-party plugins. And if you don't want to do that, or if you just fancy trying out Studio One, then it's actually completely free, and you can get the simple basic version of Studio One. And to be honest, it it comes with all the tools you'll need. I actually doubt virtually anything that we're going to use on this podcast series will be things unavailable on the basic version. Maybe some, but not many. You know, all, all the links you'll need to get started are in the description of this podcast. And of course, you can visit personas.com for more details. Now, this being the first episode in the series, we've decided to get some help from an expert. In the in the last series, I, I I muddled through, and I think we ended up with a with a pretty solid end product. But um, but as you, the listener, pointed out, I did I did basically finish the series by using about a thousand pounds worth of Isotope plugins to polish the end product, and you called me out on that. So this time, we're going to learn how to do it without the need for expensive third party plugins. We're going to do everything inside of the box. So. We've reached out to the man who essentially taught me how to use a DAW, both for mixing and mastering. And thanks to his excellent YouTube channel and instructional videos on Studio One's Fear Learning Platform, Nashville producer, podcaster, home studio corner creator, Joe Gilder is joining us. Joe, welcome to the podcast and thank you thank for joining you. us. There you what go. What a great that intro. Was, that was a good Thank intro. You. I was pretty happy with that. Like, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. That was good. I think it sounded organic and flowy. I was quite happy with that. Well, it was, let's, yeah. just, let's just end it there. That was great. <laughs> That's it. Thank you very much for tuning in, dear listener. And we'll see you next week. But uh, but no, yes. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, Joe, for coming on the podcast. It is it's wonderful to have you on an episode. We, it's um, my pleasure. You know, Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, we, we do, you know, we do plenty of, last year we certainly, we did it. Matt, you and me did an interview episode every single week. We actually haven't done any this year. I think Joe is the first one for 2021, it, but we did. Was it last year? Where does the time it was, go? It was last year. <laughs> it was last year because this year I was like, well, we did too many interviews last year. I'm, I'm just exhausted from it. Let's do none. And so this is the, this is actually the, the first one of 2021, but 
Um, this actually is, to be honest, Joe, it is great for me to have you on an episode because, you know, normally we'll do sort of, I don't know, like effects brands, guitar companies, uh, you, you know, luthiers, amp brands, mm-hmm. people like that, maybe, maybe the occasional artists, but they're almost, they're always people that, that we know that we've dealt with before and to be honest it's a, you know that that sort of side of mi is a very well trodden path for us but of course the home recording mm-hmm. guide is something that's that started for guitar nerds really off the back of of the you know the pandemic and quarantine and people needing to find a, a new outlet for recording uh, as as there are no gigs and so for me this is this is great because i you know, <laughs> I, I've I've not met you before this podcast, but you've actually had a massive impact on on my sort of ability to record at home. Certainly, you joining Personas, which I think was at the start of twenty twenty, um, mm-hmm. which was a you know only a couple months later did I sort of get the first copy of Studio One, and you'd started doing videos for that, and I kind of adamantly watched those to teach me how to use a DAW. So it's it's lovely to actually finally get to meet you and and talk to you about these things because really you've you've Everything you've done has been such a kind of accommodating, easy access and kind of uh, beginner friendly um, uh, sort of package for getting into recording. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, there's 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 my tongue up your bum for the first uh, <laughs> for the first couple of minutes. Um, well, it's but, you know, it to- is. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. Thank you. <laughs> excellent excellent but um but to give listeners if if they're not aware of all the incredible things you've done you you've you've of course you've used studio one since it started right since the uh since the first iteration pretty close i think i was i think i started with version two but it's been it's been close to eight nine years now right I see, I see. So that was like, because uh, you previously, you worked at, uh, at Sweetwater, right? And then you mm-hmm. went on to a, a distributor who um, uh-huh. who distributed Studio One. And is that, that, that's how you got into Studio One, moved over from Pro Tools? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was working at Sweetwater when Personas came to announce that Studio One was coming out. And of course, we thought it was the dumbest idea, because why do we need another DAW? Um, and we, we smirked and we're all sure of ourselves, but yeah, when I had to start, I would do some trainings and things at music stores and I figured, man, I'm not going to look credible if I don't know the software. So I started using it just for that purpose, did like a podcast episode in it, mixed a song in it. And the next thing I knew I'd bought a new computer for the studio and I didn't even install pro tools. Like I couldn't even find the installer cause wow. I hadn't opened it in so long. So it was a weird, like Especially being on YouTube, it would make sense that you use the most popular DAW. <laughs> One time my wife said, hey, do you think you should go back to Pro Tools? You might get more viewers. It's <laughs> like, I can't now. I'm too far gone. But yeah, it just, it won me over with a bunch of just little things that it did that made my life easier. And I, I it, it really wasn't something I set out to do. It just happened. You've definitely, you kind of, even I think you before you started at Personas, you'd very much become, I guess, the the spokesperson uh-huh. on YouTube for for Studio One. You were certainly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you were to if you were to look for how to do something on Studio One on YouTube, you will inevitably come up with a uh, a home studio corner video mm-hmm. of of how to do that. And that's kind of that's that's the name of your your YouTube channel and your website mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and the the vehicle by which you provide. 
um, you, you provide not only a bunch of free content, but um, but paid content as well for, for mm. how to actually use the platform. And Absolutely. I guess Home Studio Guide's been going for like a decade. Yeah. It was. Uh, it, it seems like a, um, uh, the Home Studio Guide was kind of a fantastic way to to get people into uh, into the platform and to get and and because it's it's exclusively Studio One based, the Home Studio Corner, and it, it was beforehand, right as well. It was actually my first few years I was in Pro Tools, and then when I switched, I oh, just, really? just just kept rolling with the switch. So yeah, I still get people asking me about ten year old Pro Tools videos, and. I- Sorry, I don't. I don't know the answer. I'm sorry, (laughs) but I do try to as much as it. Yeah, if you use Studio One and you watch my videos, then that's a big bonus. But I also try to keep it somewhat software agnostic. So if you're not using it, you can still get some value and apply. You know what EQs I did on your system fairly easily. That's right. um, I mean that. Go on, Matt. Sorry, sorry, Joe. I was going to say, um, or should I say Joe Branton? Because we've got two Joes. It's going to get very confusing. Um, I Too think late. that's 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 the thing, isn't it? It's like for me, you know, coming at it again, very, very fresh, and, and having seen loads of things. You're like, oh well, I've got a Mac. Like maybe I should use Logic. And it's like, oh well, I've gone to a studio and they use Pro Tools. And then you know, you hear, you see loads of people on YouTube now. A lot of YouTubers using ableton mm-hmm. and then there's other people making doors it's it can be quite a confusing thing even to start there so if you make some tips and tricks that generally are universal they're all going to do similar things mm-hmm. it kind of makes a little bit i think people feel a bit more at ease really yeah because as much as personas probably hates when i say this you can do this with any of them right they all essentially do the same thing mm. um just like you can play an incredible guitar part. I'm guessing you probably have more than one guitar. So yes. <laughs> understatement of the year, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and you could, you could play a great rock tune on any number of guitars and make it work. It's kind of the same way. They all mm-hmm. do it differently. You get there a little bit differently, but they all take your audio and do stuff with it. In fact, yeah. on, on, on last week's episode of the regular guitar podcast, we were, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about doors and, uh, and Naomi, one of our hosts on the other one said, it's, it's, it's actually, it's about finding the door that speaks to you. The one that, that actually makes you feel creative. And she was saying mm-hmm. about how, how she'd spent years on, on Pro Tools and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and it wasn't until she switched over to, I think, I think she uses Ableton. I think she said it wasn't until mm-hmm. she switched over to Ableton. She was like, Oh, this is how i do stuff and it wasn't you know that wasn't any negative any negative statement on pro tools it was just for sure. her particularly uh, a different door spoke to her. and I, I could definitely say the same i've had logic on my computer and been absolutely rubbish at recording <laughs> for years and it, it wasn't until i i was like oh this studio one free thing looks cool and then just because it had such a lot of very easily accessible video guides on how to get started and all the inbuilt stuff was very good and one thing that was quite important for me which is you know, as, as we told that we i banged on to one of our dear listeners on the on the last series of this one of the things that was important to me was midi programming instruments and it's just such mm-hmm. a breeze on on studio one even the free version and actually the mm-hmm. amount of synths and drum machines that you get 
um it on the free version just i was like oh well this is this is great you know i could it had all the tools for me to make something that sounded a bit like radiohead's kid a and that was that was me kind of done and and you know it was uh, not a bad place to be yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah let's uh, let's let's talk a bit about the um you know the 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 home studio corner because that that's you know that that's your your website and 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 how you impart your knowledge onto the world but mm-hmm. um it was a really it's it's a very useful website and and the, one of the reasons that your videos are so appealing and i think why our, our listeners you know should definitely check them out if they haven't already and one of the reasons we got so involved in them is that there's um there's a complete kind of lack of snobbery with your your approach to the studio you you very much approach it from from kind of a a, a simple level a lot of your stuff is is about how to make um home studio setups work and Mm -hmm. uh you know at a really simple level if you're recording in your room um i guess you know i i guess kind of what made you focus on on kind of that end of things rather than uh, you know rather than anything else yeah that's a good question i think it started for me when just trying to name the website and the youtube channel um i originally wanted to have you know as broad of an audience as possible so it was going to be something generic like just having to do with anything related to audio. And then I started to think, well, this group, like, wh- who can I speak to like with confidence? Like that I've been there, I've done that. I would consider myself at least some level of an expert. And, it, you know, live sound wasn't it. Working in big studios wasn't it. I could, you could drop me in a studio and I could make it work and I'd be fine. But it wasn't like I'd been doing that for years, right? I, the predominant place where I'd done most of my music was in a home studio. So I thought, well, why don't I just talk about what I know um, and see how that goes. <laughs> so, um, so that's, yeah. and that's, that's me using, you know, not really, I don't think I have anything, maybe one or two microphones you might consider somewhat expensive, but for the most part, I just use stuff that's fun and just try to make it sound good. And I don't focus on, like, I rarely do reviews just cause I'm, I'd rather talk about what you're going to use the pedal for right. versus what the pedal does if, you know, to steal from your world. But, um, yeah, I'm much more interested. Like I used just the stock plugins in Studio One for years just because I didn't care about learning a bunch of new plugins. I just wanted to make a new album or a new EP or write some new songs. Um, and I think that, I don't know if it comes from a place of laziness or just, I'm just a bumpkin from Mississippi or something, but I just wanted <laughs> to keep it simple and people seem to connect with it, which is cool. But that, it, it seems to be the the kind of the right place to focus when you're mm-hmm. when you're talking about these sort of things because it it means that you're focusing on the actual actually making the music. I mean, this is something that I get accused of mm-hmm. a lot on the Guitar Nerds podcast. Is that you know I am and I I, I suffer from gas to quite an extreme level <laughs> in, in 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 which you know that I the amount of equipment I have here is 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 ridiculous. Matt, of course, you you, you suffer from this as, as well. Matt, Matt has the impossible worse. rig, which is a, his bedroom rig consists of I don't know what four amp heads and about six cabs. I don't know and three yeah. pedal boards. And, and I think that's yeah, I guess that's why we're sort of here now. It's like should probably put some of this to work in in some ways, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of actually, you know, record at least one note, you know, for my for my grandkids, <laughs> um, and go, you know, I bought all this gear. What did you do with it? Oh well. 
nothing that you'll ever hear. Um, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, though, that going down this route has led to wanting more stuff. But I'm trying to. Sure. I've spent more money on plugins basics. since we started doing this than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's where I think me and and Joe have started to differ because I've started to get a couple more hardware bits. You know, things like right, I didn't have a DI box, and you know, I probably do need a maybe a more up to date interface. Mine's maybe twenty years old, um, so I'm surprised it's still chugging along. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why problem. I like things like. Sorry, Joe. Go on. I was just going to say the, the the problem with the internet is that once you buy a plugin. And every single social media platform will only advertise to you other deals by other plug-in brands. <laughs> and uh, that that is a slippery slope, which a frail mind like mine has, uh, has just, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's been bad. Hence, hence this series where we're going to try to do everything inside of the, uh, inside of the box, which, you know, as, as I said, was a, is a great reason to get you on, on board, Joe, because you're, you know, a, as you say, fantastic at, at just using the stuff that's, uh, that's immediately available to you. And, and, mm-hmm. and certainly I, I will say that like the, you know, the, uh, the the fat channel on studio one has been an absolute bread and butter for me on on everything mm-hmm. especially when it comes to recording bass um mm-hmm. i found oh, it yeah. to be like a just just you know the you've got a, there's some wonderful presets on there there's like a wonderful like vintage um uh, kind of valve compressor uh preset for bass that gives you you know it it, it presets in quite an icq just with your the the mids cut a little bit and uh and and if you sort of mess around with that and just push the input a bit on that i i, I kind of found i didn't need um to be relying on a lot of the the amp sims and cab sims that that i'd had it actually if you've got a good sounding bass off the bat, that fat channel almost on its own was a was a was a fantastic tool, and that kind mm-hmm. of got me thinking that, that realistically, all these tools are available to me. It's just uh, <laughs> it's just I, I buy into the I buy into everything else a little bit, but um, but I but guess it, the yes, other it, side of it that maybe it makes you excited and just having that new tool gets you in the studio and makes you you know like there's that side of it too maybe you need a few extra toys to entice you and inspire you to make some music. <laughs> that is definitely true. Yes. The, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm definitely at my most productive when I've got something new. I think uh, yeah. that is, uh, that is, that's something that, uh, that a lot of people with our level of gas suffer with. <laughs> um, but yeah, to, to get onto kind of talking about, you know, actually, actually how you can help us into making mm-hmm. a better track than we did last time. One of the things that, um, that was, uh, one of the kind of the first things that I think you in, you introduce everyone to when they're kind of getting into mixing is teaching people a workflow about mixing. Um, Mm -hmm. And you had, uh, one of the things you have is your five step mix guide, um, which I wondered if you could kind of like talk us through and, 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 you know, just make sure we're ticking all the boxes on, on that sort of thing. Yeah. So first of all, if you, if you, bristle at the idea of five-step mixes like that sounds ridiculous i totally understand it's not that i'm telling you do this and this and this and your mix will be done it's more like plug your mix into this formula and make sure you hit all these stages 
um, and you'll probably end up getting better results. So the, this came out of both my own experience and also just hearing from hundreds and hundreds of people who are struggling to get their mixes to sound good. Typically, when folks are just learning to mix, this is kind of how it goes. They turn up the kick drum and they spend a half hour EQ and compressing the kick drum. Then they turn up the snare drum, repeat. And they just go down the line sequentially, turning up each thing and then throwing a bunch of plugins on it until they get to the end and they listen. And most likely it's just garbage. Because that's exactly what I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's I mean, it, it makes sense. It's logical. Why would you do it any other way? Um, coming out, coming from, you know, not doing it to trying it, that's just a logical way to do it. The problem is it, it has you listening to everything one piece at a time, and it doesn't have you putting it together in any sort of cohesive way. Um, so, you know, how do you know what to do to the kick drum if you don't know what the rest of the drums sound like or what the bass sounds like? How can you really make any decisions about that? Um, and so instead, what I talk to people about, like the first step is just getting the mix set up. That's the boring stuff. It's color coding. It's phase checking and blah, forget that. Um, that's the first step. But once you've got it set up, the second step for me is you're not allowed to use plugins yet. So the second step is to just do a, what we call a static mix, which is just you're allowed to touch volume and panning and that's it. Because a lot of people, you know, right. they just bought eight new plugin bundles, right? And they want to go slap those suckers on there and make the needles dance. But it's just not time yet. Because if you put a bunch of plugins and then try to balance later, you're going to have a hard time. You need to get a good balanced mix with just the audio that's there. Which then if you say, but yeah, my audio sounds terrible, then you need to rewind a bit. Let's go back and make sure we recorded it well before we get to this point. It's kind of a self-correcting process. But you might spend, you know, if it's a regular rock mix, you know, you got drums, bass, couple guitars, keys, vocals. It wouldn't be unheard of to spend 20, 30 minutes just moving faders and panning. Um, and what happens a lot of times is you get in this zone and you kind of forget that you haven't had any plugins. And you suddenly get to a point where, hey, this actually sounds really good. And then it dawns on you holy crap, I haven't even put on a plug-in yet. That's, at that point is where you want to start thinking about plugins. If you put them on too early, you're just, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. You're fixing problems that aren't really problems yet. You know, like people who get home, I'm sure you encounter people who are super obsessed with any like noise in their guitar signal. Um, but can you hear it in the mix with everything else? If the answer is no, then you're obsessed about something that doesn't really matter, right? Um, right. Unless it's like Jeff Buckley, Hallelujah, and it's just a guitar, then yeah, we probably want that one to be clean. But if it's <laughs> eight guitars and a slam and drum part, who cares if there's some buzz in the guitars? So this kind of helps you, as you're doing the static mix, helps you hear, okay, where are the, once I've set these levels and got everything kind of in the right place, now what are the big problems that I need to face? And that's the next step, which is fix those problems. And then the next step is what I call top-down mixing, which is let's get, let's put some plugins on the drum bus over all the drums first and then worry about the individual drums. Cause sometimes you can make it happen with just a few plugins on a bus instead of, you know, throwing eight plugins on every channel of your drums. Right. And I then see. the last step is kind of how you finish things off. And I, I've seen like, you know, from, from kind of a, from a very basic perspective, I, I, I think that's uh, one of the most useful things that you'd taught me off the bat was that after you're looking at something that's been recorded where you've got maybe, mm -hmm. You know, if if you've built your your drums, uh, you know, which is whatever six, eight different 
eight different tracks and then you've got you know a, a couple of, of of basses in there maybe if you were recording you know if you're if you're mm-hmm. like me and then and then you've got you know a, a bunch of guitars and and vocals like even without vocals like maybe you're looking at six seven guitars and then a couple of keyboards like those are mm-hmm. a that's that that's a big bunch of tracks to kind of go through one by one and the mm-hmm. idea of kind of uh bussing things um just so that you are breaking down every individual instrument into its own category i found that the most useful thing from a basic mm-hmm. level um, yeah that's kind of i kind of skipped over that that's kind of that first step so my template that i use for mixing has has a bus for drums bass acoustic electric keys vocals background vocals so that's kind of the seven things i tend to find when i'm mixing um so you can give me a song with i did one a couple of weeks ago that had like 50 something tracks but once i grouped them all and put them in their right buses it was maybe 10 buses total right. and so which is easier to mix 50 or 10 10's easier um <laughs> and then you kind of compartmentalize it so let's just here are all the horn parts let's put them on a bus and just listen to them as one unit oh okay now i kind of know where i want to go with that versus here i go eqing horn one of 20 like, that might not be necessary yeah yeah absolutely there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fantastic way of, of kind of simplifying it. And that's kind of, I, I guess that's the essence of your, your, your five-step mix guide is just getting things into kind of a, a, a state where you can do things very easily rather than mm-hmm. having to deal with everything you know on the on the kind of the the the, the minute uh level mm-hmm. um the, the i mean the other thing that that you did that was that was fantastic on your on your youtube channel and you've had a number of series of this was the mixed together um mm-hmm. series which is a great way of kind of guiding people on 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 how to do something from you know from 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 scratch can you can you talk to us a bit about like your mixed together series and for for people who might be just getting studio one for the first time why these these series would be a great thing for them absolutely so i've you know since since early on i had 
I was doing YouTube and I would also do these different courses, right? Teaching how to use EQ, how to mix and things like that. But I wanted to have something like that that was available for free too, for folks that just either just didn't want it or couldn't afford it or just wanted to find something free on YouTube. So I started this series and I've done, I guess I've done four seasons of it now. Seasons, that sounds so pretentious. Um, it's called <laughs> Mixed Together. And so um, I just pick a song. Sometimes it was submitted by a user, sometimes one of my songs. And I would just literally mix it in, you know, 15, 20 minute chunks on YouTube from start to finish. So some of them last a really long time and some of them aren't as, don't take as long, but it's, it's just, it's, they don't like get tons and tons of views because you got to, I mean, it's a commitment. I'm going to sit down. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to watch all of them, but you can also get the tracks and mix it along with me. So it's just a, it's just an easy, like way to kind of dip your toes into it and see what it's like and kind of what, what all is involved in taking tracks and getting well, the best bit because you 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 provide actually the 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 tracks for everyone to download and to so people can literally mm. mix with you and real time do the things and see the effects which I find is so much more helpful actually getting to mm-hmm. do the things and being like oh right that's how this works um, and I will say the one of the things that helped me get so much better at the recording and producing side of things was mixing a lot of songs. Uh, because right. you're getting inside the producer's head, you're hearing each guitar part, and you it starts to click. Uh, oh, this is why they did that, or wow, it took ten guitars to get this sound. Um, all those kinds of things. I mean, yes, you learn mixing, but you also learn a ton about just how to record and how to produce things to make them to where they will sound good once they're mixed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was one of one of the things I like most about the mixed together series is that. Um, it, because as you say, it's kind of longer format. It's you, you are literally mixing whilst you film that it's not polished. You're not editing out, uh, you know, things. And, and I, I love that about it. Like, uh, I think in season four, you were doing like this, uh, like there was the episode on, on how to mix guitars and bass mm-hmm. and you mix the bass, isolated the bass, did a bunch of stuff on the EQ. And then you added back in the drums and you were like, no, I'm not. Sh- I, I don't actually know if now that I'm hearing this together that this is the this is exactly what it needs to be, sort of thing. And it was, mm-hmm. it was that it's that sort of human element of how a mix works that you know you're not always going to do these things, and then when you put everything else in, it be the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, that's it, it. Was a really it's a great way to kind of get an organic feel for 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 kind of. <laughs> I guess to to be prepared for the mistakes that you will make in mixing, mm-hmm. right? Because um, yeah. it's 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 not helpful if I edit all that stuff out and just show make just nailing it every time. It's like it's like dude perfect in their <laughs> trick shots. Like we know they tried eighteen hundred times to hit that basketball shot from three hundred yards away. So when you see just the one time where they nailed it, it looks cool. But you know, anyway. So that I think that's been something I've tried to keep in kind of everything I do. Like when I make a mistake, just laugh at it and be like, that was terrible. And let's just move on. Cause that, that lets people know, Oh, right. Everybody has to kind of dig a while to finally get there. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, so, you know, me and Matt are going to, we're going to try and do everything for this track using the built in studio one plugins matt you you want to obviously you want to record some kind of organic guitars yeah not, not that i've i've um you know i've got a couple of uh well i've got a little uh tr08 drum machine and a juo6 synth and a, and a moog which obviously you know it's got some 
sort of classic sounds to it. Mm-hmm. And I've got so many pedals as well. So I kind of want to, you know, I've got a radial reamper and a JD, uh, J48 DI box. So I kind of want to try and do a bit more stuff with external hardware as well. So, you know, like if I've recording a dry guitar track or a dry synth track that I'm actually sending stuff out into hardware where I know, you know, Joe, you're going to try and do more stuff in the plugin. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to try and combine that in the track. Um, but obviously with guitars as well, I, I kind of want to like mic up some amps and try some different stuff there. Um, I don't hate plugins, but I am definitely one of many guitar players and many who are listeners of of the podcast who are like, but I've spent so much money on amplifiers. <laughs> I, I don't dare like go into the realm of plugins and, sure. you know, trying to get used to playing through monitors or headphones is a totally different thing if you're hearing mm-hmm. amps in, in the room so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to capture a bit of that, that vibe as well, I guess. In our, yeah. in our next track. Biggest piece of advice I can give, especially for guitars, is, is when you are playing the amp in the room, it's amazing, right? Like, this is, I'm, you know, God's gift to everyone's ears. But then you come back the next day and listen to what you recorded, and it sounds almost nothing like it. You mm. know, we've all, we've all been there. Mm. Um, I think the big thing to do is, like, I'm all for it. I love cranking an amp and just going to town. Um but uh, the kind of make a part of your process where you stop, put the guitar down, and just listen to what you just recorded through mm-hmm. your speakers or headphones, just to make mm-hmm. sure it's in the same ballpark. Because it's going to feel amazing while the amp's blaring at 2,000 decibels in your room, mm. but it's going to sound very very different on the recording. Hopefully not, but it's probably going to be at least a little bit different. And you may find out that, oh, man, I, I put the mic in the completely wrong spot. It sounds terrible. And you've mm. got a chance to fix that uh, before you go and do 80 takes of guitar. Yeah. And I think as well, um, something I, I was doing the other week when we were we were actually on a film shoot recording some amps, and obviously when you're close miking an amp with a, an SM57, it's very mm-hmm. different to how your ears perceive. Obviously, all the the pressure and changes in sure, in sound yeah. in the room. Mm-hmm. So you know, we had to put another mic in the room just to give mm-hmm. us another flavour of what's actually going on because everything is is close mic so again you, what you're hearing is the mm-hmm. sound traveling several feet to your ears where what you're capturing is the sound traveling several inches to your microphone <laughs> right. um and that's a totally different thing as well yeah it's like well go ahead and put your ear that close and then you'll know what that sounds like yes yeah it's, um, <laughs> don't, don't do that Surgeon yeah, no. general warning please don't yeah but um i mean in terms of recording guitars and you know the things that you've done before do you mm-hmm. find just do you go straight into the interface and you're using plugins to kind of change that audio source or are you trying to use a higher quality di i've watched over the past few months watched many people argue mm-hmm. on the internet about oh you don't need a <laughs> di box and some people are like oh no you've got to have a you know, uh, me and uh, Joe uh, over Christmas were talking about radials, HDI, DI box for bass players and keyboard players. It's like 900, 900 pounds. <laughs> You're like, it, it looks good because it's expensive. Yeah, of course it does. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what do you normally, what do, you normally so do or how I, do you approach pr- that? Predominantly, I've done a little bit of everything. Um, I, I used 11 rack for a whole record once just to put it through its paces. Um, and it was oh, really? Bad. Um, mm-hmm. I just said, I'm going, and, and it was, it was the 11 rack as the amp and then still pedal board into it. Um, right. but using it to kind of be the 
pedal platform. And it was cool. Like it, it was, it did a thing. Um, but, um, last several that I've done have been through predominantly through my, just my Fender Deluxe with pedals with just like a cascade fat head in front of it. Um, cause it's a nice fat sounding mic that doesn't get super shrill no matter where you place it. Mm-hmm. Um, that tends to capture it the way I'm kind of hearing it in the room, mm-hmm. which is cool. But yeah, I've done, I mean, obviously studio one comes with empire, which is a cool ant modeler thing. So I've messed with that a lot lately, especially being on with mm-hmm. personas. And when I do that, I just plug into the interface. So the interface has a guitar input. I'm sure a 900 pound radial <laughs> thing would be better. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, at the same time, it's like, hey, it sounds like a guitar plugged into an amp, so that's that's cool yeah. too. I, I do like I, that because it's you can skip that middle step of stopping and going back and listening because what you're hearing out of the speakers is what it sounds like. Mm, um, yeah. And I yeah. do like that, and I like being able to go from I've got some, you know, maybe my pedal board into the digital amp and my software, but then I could maybe throw my favorite stereo delay plugin that I just use normally in mixing on the guitar too. So I'm getting like a cool stereo delay that I wouldn't get with my amps because I'm not going to set up a stereo rig because I, I like myself. Um, and so it, <laughs> it ends up being kind of a cool hybrid place where I can get a little bit of, you know, what's, what's this plugin I was using on a vocal the other day? Let me throw it on the guitar track and see what it sounds. Oh, that's really cool. And then I can play through that and get something cool. So yeah, I, I, I'm not against either. I've wanted like a Helix or a Head Rush for forever just to see what that experience is like. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, the one thing I do like to do as because i think i'm just a an old curmudgeon when it comes to this is i don't like recording the di and then reamping. um right, okay. i don't oh, i don't like really? giving myself that out i, I, I was want, gonna ask you about like the a, pipeline thing yeah um pipeline's cool for what you guys are talking about um matt you were talking about sending stuff back out so i did a video on that not long ago where i I ran like a drum track through my pedal board using the pipeline plugin in studio one, which is basically Mm -hmm. you stick it anywhere in your plugin chain and it becomes like a, it's like a patch point that you can send stuff out your interface through whatever hardware you have and then come back in at that same spot in the plugin. Um, But yeah, as far as like just straight up guitar recording, I'd much rather just put a mic in front of the amp, get it right then record the DI and give myself the option to redo it later. Cause I think I would just skimp on the first one mm-hmm. and always go back and redo it versus just get it right the first time. And um, do you use any sort of, what sort of thing do you use for the microphone? So I'm assuming microphone straight into the interface rather than maybe running into some other, other preamps. I and then do again, have, use- um, yeah, I've done a lot just straight into the interface. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a couple of, I don't know if you remember personas used to make these, really nice tube preamps called the ADL series. Yeah, I remember the ADL 600. They were great. Beautiful black with like chrome switches. They mm-hmm. don't make them anymore. I guess they, we just didn't sell enough, but I got a couple of those. The, ch- the single channel strip with like a compressor and EQ and then a two channel tube pre that is currently dead. So really selling this hard right now. But I'll go through <laughs> those um, for a little extra niceness. Um, but it's one of those things that's nice. It sounds good, but in a pinch when like the tubes blown on the stereo one, I just plug it in regular and it works fine too. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things like you can always like that DI you could, there's always going to be a better option. Like I've got a Les Paul studio. (laughs) I know that a Les Paul custom will be better, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to make some great music with the one I have. 
And it doesn't yeah, mean someone's yeah. going to listen and say, oh, man, I can hear that that's a studio, uh, you know? <laughs> I think um, I think that's where myself and some of, I think, some of the people listening are is, and, and one of the biggest tips that people have said to me, and again, I just always knew it and then never put it into practice, was kind of have everything at your fingertips, like plugged mm. in and ready. Like the last thing you want to do is like plug in a bunch of cables and this, that and the other and yeah. uh, until you've got that set up there is always like oh well i could add this or i could add that and you kind of almost want to set your studio up your home studio i guess up as your instrument mm-hmm. and then go right what can i do with this like sort of learn your learn your pedal board almost you know what can i get out of my pedal board mm-hmm. i don't need to add anything else because i'm still exploring with it kind of the same thing with setting up a studio i guess it's kind of like pick your choose your weapons and stick with them and learn them and understand how you can bend them and manipulate them to what you need. Yeah. And it's really fun to do that as you're recording a new project. So like I can Mm. think back to the, you know, I've released like 50 ish songs of my own stuff in the last 10 years. And like each little EP, I can remember, ah, that's the one where I got that telly and I was super into the telly right then. And then that's the one where I was like super into the blues driver. And I was just like, you're going to be my drive for this album. And then, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the one where I got that new keyboard. So like, it's kind of like each one has its own like hallmark. That was the piece of gear I was really into for that album. It's a fun way to approach it. I'll tell people like, They'll say, hey, should I get a new guitar? And I'll say, okay, have you made an album with the one you have? And if the answer is no, I'm like, well, I'm not your mom, but I'd go make a record real quick. And then maybe that's your reward once you've made a record. But yeah, there's no right no, I, th- I think, um, yeah, it's it's just so easy to fall down that that rabbit hole. Um, sure. But I think it's, it's about just trying a couple of things and then finding something. I mean, that's what I found is I started to find a few things that worked and then I was like, right, okay, just have that set up and then ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, re- the, re- the recording side, you know, you're always sort of experimenting and finding new things and that it's, to me, the mixing was the next, the big thing that, you know, I'll probably move on to in a few months once I've got a few more, ideas down but it is the most daunting thing when you mm-hmm. do it for the first time because i was looking at it the other day and i was like how do you how do you even start like mm-hmm. the very first mix you do like what are you even supposed to to do you know i remember like 20 years ago it's like i guess i just set everything to the same level <laughs> you know <laughs> um and and i guess that's where you know i'm coming from it's like yeah what, what can you remember your first mix like just going like how, oh yeah I start yeah I, I went to um i got my degree at a little school outside of nashville that had a recording program um so we learned about you know how to set up big studios and do patch bays and handle big consoles but really never talked about mixing so like when i sat down to start doing mixing seriously i was kind of like oh no like i know what a compressor does i could like write a paper on what a compressor does but i have no clue when and why and how and where. Um, but yeah, they, and like even bigger picture, like you were saying, Matt, like I don't, where do I start? So I would do the thing we were talking about where I'll just, we'll go left to right. <laughs> when I get all the way to the right, I'm hopefully done. And it, yeah, it didn't, <laughs> yeah. didn't work super well. Yeah. I guess it's just a case of, um, you know, diving into something like your five step mix guide or, or whatever and just kind of going, just, You've got to do it. I mean, I guess the good thing 
is as much as recording in a studio from the 1960s was obviously amazing and i've Mm. seen some there's a crazy guy on youtube a very very small channel but he'll like he'll mix live i've seen him do like mix he'll mix bohemian rhapsody live so he's got all of the feeds and you know he stemmed it all into a mixing (laughs) desk and he's still and that's obviously incredible um but i guess we're at an advantage now with technology that nothing's sort of final until you've mm-hmm. bounced the whole thing out, you can go back. You know, you you can go. But that's back my on kryptonite. Mistakes. That's that's why I don't record anything mm. into amps since discovering plugins. I'm like everything's straight in. This is my. This is the worst thing for me. I can never mm. settle on anything. <laughs> I'm constantly. Because you being could, like, yeah, you could be like at step. You know, ninety five percent. The mix is almost done, and then you go and redo all your guitar tones. Because you well, can't. Ex- well, exactly. It's like there might be an offer on X plugin, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that guitar plugin does sound good. What does it do? Oh, it does a Fender Deluxe plugin just like the other five I have, but maybe this one's better. In fact, this one it might was five dollars like more. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but that's that's. I guess that's what we kind of we're going to avoid. I mean, I, you know, I actually, you know, I banged on a load about the the. Uh, the the waves um, Ampeg uh, range of plugins recently, which mm-hmm. I really liked, but that was kind of before I tried the Empire v- version of that, and I was like, this it, it does this does the same thing, and it actually came with my software package. Um, <laughs> and now so you're I'm rethinking gonna, gonna, your entire life. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna use that, and I think you know Matt, you're gonna try and record real amps. So I guess any additional guitars I add, I've, had, I've been having a lot of fun with the Empire Vox AC30 sounds. And and do you, do you know what it it is a lot easier than me lugging up my Vox from the garage to my studio. Right. So so I'm uh, I'm you know I'm I'm gonna try and use that, but but um but I guess. Joe, are there any like uh, recommendations on the on the built-in plugins from Studio One that we could use to to that that you think are absolute essentials? Like I've seen yeah. you use the Pro Pro EQ on everything. I've mentioned the Fat Channel. Mm-hmm. I find, I find the presets on the Fat Channel to be so fantastic. Mm-hmm. It almost doesn't matter what I've recorded in. I can almost be like, oh, there's going to be a preset on the Fat Channel that I <laughs> almost won't have to touch that will make everything sound better. Yeah. So I would say kind of workflow slash plugin is get your, get your buses set up like we talked about and then play with the fat channel on the bus of whatever you're working on. So like if it's drums, then do, you know, the fet comp and kind of into like the vintage EQ and mess with that a little bit and see, like I always play a game with myself. Like how good can I make this sound? Like the first game is how good can I make it sound just raw recording? And then how good can I make it sound with just doing a static mix? And then how good can I make it sound with just one plug in on the bus? Um, and I think it comes from laziness because if I can get it done with one, why would I need to go through the two more hours of 16 more plugins? Um, but it's also, it, sometimes you end up with, and this isn't right for every style of music, but for the stuff that I do, um, if you get a killer drum sound and you throw a nice bus compressor on there and EQ it a little bit, sometimes it's amazing. And anything you else you do on the kick or snare drum just makes it worse. Not always, but occasionally. Um, so the, yeah, the fat channel to me is super great. Um, I use pro EQ all the time when I need to kind of be more surgical and go move this one set of frequencies from the vocal or the lead guitar, things like that. Um, and then the red light distortion is one of my secret favorites. It's just a distortion plugin. Uh-huh. Um, it's just great. It, it can add grit to that 
clean P bass part that's just, you know, getting lost in the mix or even a little grit to the snare drum or the overall drum mix sometimes, or, you know, generally not on guitars because I've already got those gritty as I want, but vocals can be really cool too. The uh, the the fella who uh, the, the the guy who I I knew who initially had Studio One who was the guy who it, like his, his mixes just sounded incredible and I was I was using um uh I you know I I was using uh, like like Pro Tools or or Logic I was using mostly Logic at the time and and this guy had Studio One it sounded everything he did was fantastic and he was like well, you know it's free and that's that kind of what get, got me into trying it. He records a lot of bass and he uses that distortion plugin all the time. And the mm-hmm. bass tones he came up with were just they were they were probably I mean I mean I'm a bass player first and just the you know the, just everything he was coming up with, I was like, this sounds fantastic. <laughs> and it was just off of that yeah. that kind of one plugin. It's it's very good. Yeah. It's kinda like when I remember when I was first learning Pro Tools, they had that Sansamp plugin. And like all the Nashville guys would put it on their bass tracks, even on like country tunes. Um, so it reminds me of that. It's just got a lot more very, like lots of cool different sounds. It's not just kind of a one trick pony, but yeah, it's very, yeah. it's very fun to mess with. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay, cool. So those are, those are kind of our things, you know, like the pro EQ, the fat channel, just because it's such an incredibly broad ranged thing. And, uh, and the what's the distortion called again? I always forget its name. Red light distortion. It's the red light distortion. Yes, that is absolutely <laughs> scandalous. <it>. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well, Matt. I guess you know we we've got um, we've got next week. We've got to discuss what sort of track we're going to create because you you want to create a different style. We went for Pink Floyd last time, so, uh, so you're going to make us uh, you're going to make us create something different this time. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I, I think. Um... I, I don't know. I, a lot of people called out for for an EP. I think um, Joe. So maybe we need to uh, continue that. And we've got a lot of synths and drum machines. Maybe we need to go a bit more um, electronic again. You know, I think recording some hardware like the you know the synths that aren't in um, you know that that are not plugins. So we're actually recording some physical audio and then sort of maybe messing around with those either plugins or or whatever i think would be quite good i i because obviously when we're recording or when you did the synths on the original track joe obviously Mm. it's just midi notes so it's like oh if i kind of want to extend this note or change this one you know i've just got to do it here but i kind of like doing something a little bit more in the moment so who who knows I'm a I'm a big fan of recording things in via MIDI, especially by Studio One, because Studio One does two two things. The the the, the MIDI interface is 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 very very good, and uh, the free synthesizers that 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 it comes with are are very good, as well as all the stuff we get on Sphere is is kind of fantastic, and then just the ease with which I can switch my uh, I can I can switch everything from the plugins from read to write and then i can real time manipulate the controls as i would a real world synth just to give kind of depth and creativity to synth parts i i find being able to separate that when i'm playing in a part and when i'm manipulating the audio of a part to be something that doesn't detract from the organic way that you're recording in a, a synthesizer part it adds to it and uh yeah it, uh, you know I found that very productive um, and very easy to do. Um, so you know, I'll, I'll probably do some some more of that if I'm uh, if I'm kind of you know, 
I guess I'll be doing a lot of the synth work whilst you sort of, you know, I don't know, wank around on your high end of the, the old guitar. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, we'll see what comes out. <laughs> exactly exactly but yes we'll uh, we you know on the second episode of this series i guess we'll discuss exactly what sort of track we're going to we're going to make but um but, you know thank you very much joe gilder for for joining us on this episode and kind of of course you know guiding us and giving us some advice on how to make the most of studio one um of course dear listener we, you know we're recommending that you join us on uh on every episode of this, you know, get yourself the free version of Studio One because it's so good. I mean, most of you probably got it on the last series because we did a lot of stuff that was uh, that was built in at the time. But get yourself a copy of Studio One. Make a track with us. It's going to be a bunch of fun. This series, me and Matt are going to make the track, but on our next series, I think we're going to we're going to try and make something with you guys. So it'd be good if you prepared for that. So we'll see. But uh, but of course, you can, uh, you know, you can. As, as we said, you can get the free version of Studio One via the links on this podcast or by visiting personas.com. And if you want to learn how to use it, then we thoroughly recommend you checking out homestudiocorner.com or checking out any of Joe Gilder's stuff on uh, on YouTube. Of course, if you want to sign up to, uh, to Studio One Sphere, uh, which me and Matt both do, which is a very affordable way to get hold of absolutely everything that Studio One do, then Joe actually has a bunch of exclusive videos in the educational section, the learning section of Studio One Sphere, which is rather good. So we thoroughly recommend you checking that out as well. Um, thank you very much, Joe, for coming on this episode. It's really great You're of you welcome. to do, and it's been uh, yeah, thank you. It's been it's been really good to get to pick your brains over these things and. Uh, well, you know, we'll we'll let you know how what sort of weird, ridiculous track we end up. Yeah, with yes, ends up I want to hear it for sure. Yeah, maybe Joe, <laughs> maybe you do a mix, and then we'll ask uh, you, Joe, Mister Gilder, to do it, to do a mix, and uh, we can compare. Um, <laughs> and maybe you can offer some tips about how we can uh, how we can uh, make it better. <laughs> Be or maybe not. Just, maybe Joe will do a perfect job. I just put distortion <laughs> on every channel. That's all. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, that's obviously the solution. Surely, surely. Anyway, thank you very much, dear listener, for <laughs> tuning in, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next week for more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Bye bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.